I know what's in there. Your kid's acting crazy. You know when it's them, and you know when it's their friends. Why? Because you know what's in them. Had a parent-teacher conference this week with Donovan. He's saying some stuff. I said, eh, I got that from somebody else. Let me figure out who it's from, because we don't talk like that. That's what happens. You don't even know what's in it. You don't do it. Now, what does that have to do with our money? In the very first session we had, we talked about a budget. And I said something that I hope stuck with you. Some people don't like budgets because they don't want anybody telling them what to do. Who makes your budget? So who's telling you what to do? So who do you not like listening to? <laughs> so that's okay. That's okay now you're being honest with yourself that you don't like listening to yourself because truth be told, yourself be like, yo, you know you don't need to holler at that girl. You know Draquan ain't been right since third grade. You know that. You be sitting there with your friends trying to convince you, girl, look at him, he's so cute. What? That ain't even his real leg. That's all right. That's all right. But that's the thing, right? Like, you know stuff is wrong. And if you've been around us long enough, then you've heard enough from us and hopefully from God to know that you cannot do certain things, not necessarily because they aren't permissible, but because they are bad for you. I tell people all the time, you can put me in a room with all the drugs in the world. That's never been my thing. That's not my thing. So I'm like, woo. Some of y'all, if you drive past a city that has drugs in it, you get the shakes. Right? It's okay. No, 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 it's okay. Wait, wait, wait. We go right back to the beginning. You got to be honest with yourself about who you are. You got to be honest with yourself. There's actually a psychology theory. Um, I'm going to mess this up. Uh, I think it's Williams Dunning. I think that's right. I think that's right. Um, that actually talks about how people don't realize how bad they are. Like people who aren't doing well don't realize how bad they are because they think other people are doing like that. But then there's a corollary that comes with it that says people who are doing really well don't think they're doing anything special because in, in their mind they just did what they were supposed to do. So I have a friend who's a doctor. Her dad thinks it's the greatest thing in the world. She's like, I just went to school. No, you didn't just go to school. I mean, you did, but you had to put in some effort. But what's happened is because she's been around other doctors going through school, she has lost perspective that everybody isn't doing this. Ladies and gentlemen, last year we paid off a quarter million dollars worth of debt as a group. Everybody ain't doing that. All right? This year, next one please, sir. These were still our, ta uh, our, uh, our strategy. Next one, one more. This year we're going to do it again. Everybody isn't doing that. Everybody isn't talking this way. And here's what's crazy. We're not doing anything hard. Hard is something that you are challenged in accomplishing. Doesn't mean it's not complicated. Doesn't mean it's not involved. Hard is something you're challenged in accomplishing. Okay? Now, if you walk these steps, I won't do that. I will do this. I won't do that. I 
will do this, I won't do that, I will do this, you pick up pace. So some of you have found in your debt repayment that you're actually paying off money faster than you were last year and you're saving more than you were last year at a faster rate. Some of you have found that your credit score has started to slow down. Not because you didn't do anything right, but because you didn't got to the good part. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's only a little bit of the good part. Like, when you're at 600 and you're trying to get to 850, that's a lot of points you can pick up. When you're at eight and a quarter, well, it has 25 points. Yeah, kind of hard. All right, so, okay. so, so if you, as you think about this stuff, just keep in perspective what we're doing. Let's jump to the next one. Caleb, if you don't mind, sir. So we didn't have a July session. This is going to be about our 2018 prep. Uh, this is actually a fun verse up here. Uh, it's about family and, and, and stuff. Uh, if you can't see it, it is uh, Genesis 1 and 11. Man, we got bad color and we got bad alignment, huh? Yeah, we just posted slides on the, on the, yes, ma'am? Can we get lights? I don't know where. Okay. I don't think it's going to change the, the clarity, but that's okay. Um, it's Genesis uh, 1 and 11. Anybody want to read it? Any, any, anybody want to read it? Anybody want to read it? Genesis 1 and 11? 1 and 11. We'll stick. You're like the old church. <coughs> read, sister. Sister Snodgrass, if you would, please. Y'all know a Snodgrass family, don't laugh. You know the whiteheads, too. I love that. I like the last part. It's yielding seed, or yielding seed after its kind, yielding fruit after its own kind. That means what you sow is what you get. Now, normally we talk about this reap and sow, reap and sow thing, and we talk negatively, as you said, right? The fact of the matter is, if that is truly a spiritual rule, then it works for good stuff. Works for good stuff. So what else can we try? What else do we say to our kids? Tell them. Y'all got kids? Come on, tell me what do you say? Tell them. Birds of a feather. Mom is working on you. Come on, what else? What else? Yep, yep, yep. What else? What else? What else? Can't be an eagle walking with chickens. What else? That's right. So think about this. All of these things that people talk about with kids and what they're telling their kids, guess what? They have the other side. You can't be an eagle walking with chickens. Okay. That assumes I want to be an eagle. <laughs> I'm going to beat you till you fly like an eagle. <laughs> beat that chicken out you. So, <laughs> so now let's think about this chicken thing, right? This chicken. <laughs> trying to get back. You see, I'm, I, got, I got so much laughing I can do, and after that, it's bad. So you got this chicken, you got these eagles, chickens and eagles. In the corporate world, it creates an interesting problem, though. So there's this company down in Texas. They have massive campuses, really pretty, all this green grass, and it's actually set up by military designers because they want to make sure they can see every single person who comes onto the campus. It's absolutely massive, absolutely expensive, it's beautiful. And in the middle of this thing is this massive eagle that's soaring like this is powerful. It's 
connected to the ground like that. They ran into a problem at this company because they realized that their motto had always been they were looking for the eagles. But they got to a point where they needed more than the eagles. And the non-eagles didn't want to come. Uh-oh. What if I want to be a chicken hawk? I can't fool with you, eagles. It's important to understand who you are, where you are, get back to it, be honest with yourself. You may not be an eagle. That's okay. Don't lie to yourself and say, ooh, I'm going to be an eagle one day. Now, if you want to, strive for it. I'm dead serious. Strive for it. Reach down inside yourself and push yourself to it, right? But if that's not what you want to do, all you're going to do is create stress for yourself. You're much better off staying where you are, working in your own competency, your own aptitudes, and your own brilliance. You are much better staying there. I promise you, there's this guy, you may have heard of him, his name's William. Uh, he goes by Bill, and uh, his last name is uh, Gates. He has a small company out in Seattle. They've made a couple of bucks over the years. <laughs> a couple of bucks. Uh, what Mr. Mr. Gates did at a time was he was CEO of this company, right? He stepped down, he said, look, I'm cool, I don't wanna do this. Go back to programming. Because in his head, he would never left the programming mindset. He approached his business as a programmer. His business needed something other than what he had, so instead of lying to himself or trying to build up this thing that's never gonna be built in him, he got somebody else and did it himself and went back to what he was strongest at. Here, we'll use a, contemporary example that may resonate a bit more because I know Bill Lane is touchable. Uh, the guy named Andre uh, Young goes by Dr. Dre, makes music, made some couple of records. There's this other guy named Noel Young. They're not related. Trust me. Noel owns this company called Monster. They made technology, and they still do. They came up with this cool technology for sound. The other, the other young, the Dr. Dre, got with this other guy named Jimmy. They decided to license this technology from Mr. Young, the, other, the, first, or the second Mr. Young, no one. They used it, they blew up a brand called Beats, they made it great. Jimmy Iovine told Dr. Dre, Andre Young, stay your butt back there making them songs, let me worry about the marketing. The credibility of this product came from him making songs, not him out here trying to market. So, so because he stayed in his and did what he was supposed to do and worked on his own aptitude, brilliance, and competence, he is now, well, almost a billionaire. Almost. Stay in his lane. Anybody know who the wealthiest? football player is? Anybody? All time. Guy named, uh, I, think it's, I think it's still Roger Staubach. I think that's right. He didn't make his money off of football, though. He made off of real estate, because he had some homeboys who helped him out. He was the face for the credibility. Now he's there. There's this other guy named Irvin uh, Johnson. I think people call him magic. He got together with this group of people to buy a baseball team. They are playing where today? He wasn't the majority investor. But he was the face. Why? Because people in the area connected with him. So he was there while they were working. 
if he tried to go back here and they tried to go up there, what would have happened? Stay in your lane. All right. Now, part of staying in your lane is understanding what fruit you're going to produce. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, you have never planted grapes and grown avocados. Ain't never happened. There's also something that's pretty awesome here, that if you plant it, from God, of course, we're going to put that in there, that is going to reproduce more than what you planted. Okay? It's going to. Here. Easy, easy. One kernel of corn. Bloop. Put it in, grows one stalk. Produces one uh, cob of corn. <coughs> How many kernels are on a cob? More than one. <laughs> more than one. A lot more. A lot more. Same way with your money. Same way with your career, same way with your folks. What we have effectively done, and I want to show you guys this, we have effectively, for some of us, changed our family trees forever yes. over the course of the last 18 months. Just because we're talking about how we are handling money. Will your kids grow up knowing that they credit can be? Will your kids grow up knowing that a budget is? Those of you who went to college, will your kids grow up and struggle to fill out a FAFSA? Because you struggle. So now it's reproduced on down the road. Now, we have this thing here where we say our C1 is going to be our kid's floor. There's a small problem with that. We have to make sure that we teach our kids what's in the foundation that they stand it on. Because if they don't know, they can't fix it. And more importantly, they can't reproduce. They cannot reproduce. So next one, please, sir. We're going to do the case of Sarah and a star. So we have this term in English. It's called I am. I am, I am. <laughs> nothing crazy, nothing tricky, nothing hard. I am. You are, he, she, or it is, we are, they are, all the same verb, right? In Spanish, it's actually two different words, ser and a star. They mean two different things. It's the same I am, translated in English, but they mean two different things because they indicate two different phases of being. See, in a star, it's kind of temporary. It's temporary. Sarah is permanent. Permanent. We say I am, and it means the same. I am cold. I am hungry. I am my mother's son. Those are not the same in Spanish. Right? We run the risk by not understanding who we are, where we are, what's available to us, of transforming something that is in a star into something that is a sin, something that is supposed to be temporary into something that is permanent. Uh, slide, please, sir. So somewhere around, depending on who you talk to, somewhere around 1555, there's a record of the first African slave being brought to the United States. And I choose this subject not because of my audience, but because it provides an extended case study that we can actually see everything that we just talked about happen over the course of 400 years. 
We can actually see this and we can walk through it. Now, I'm gonna tell you right now, think about how I would think about this because I'm gonna ask you a question at the end, all right? So slavery came, black slaves were brought over. Black slaves, African slaves were captured, brought here. Typically they went to the Caribbean, okay? So they went to the Caribbean, Brazil was the primary source. I think I, last time I told you America was, or Brazil was second, it's actually the primary. Went back and double checked. Uh, big shouts to Dr. Curie down at the U of A. Uh, Brazil was the primary location that slaves went, African, uh, African slaves went during the Triangle Trade, okay? They also went along the Caribbean archipelago and to the US, okay? So typically what we would see is the number of slaves were brought into the Caribbean archipelago because of the way the trade winds worked and then shipped up into the United States, okay? So, slaves are brought here. What did slaves do? Not a trick question. <laughs> they weren't. Okay. This is very important. Please listen closely. Slaves worked. So what they worked on produced a crop. Who owned the tools that the slaves used? Who owned the land that the slaves used? Who owned the crop that the slaves produced? What did the slaves own? Not even themselves, not even the sanctity of their own physical beings did they own. This is very important from an economic standpoint. Don't get caught up in the emotion, please, please, please. Stick with the economics of it because this is, I'm telling you, we're gonna change some stuff today. So if they didn't own anything, they could not produce excess. Okay, hold on to that for a second. Now, for 400 years, ah, 350, these slaves worked this row. Okay, they worked it, worked it, worked it. Who owned the tools? Yeah. Who owned the land? Yeah. Who owned the crop? Yeah. What did the slaves teach their kids? How to survive. They did not teach them how to produce excess. In fact, what many of us know as soul food cooking came from the, the, the discarded pieces that the master didn't want. Nobody likes chitlins. Oh, no, nobody like that. Why you drown it in hot sauce if you like it? Oh, oh, oh. But if that's all you have, guess what you're gonna do? Drown it in hot sauce. You're gonna eat it. Shoot, nobody liked those. Oh, stop serving them, please. <laughs> so, so that's the thing though. So now you have people who have begun to reproduce themselves in the next generation and those people in that population expanded. So now you have millions of slaves who actually never never, never, never were on a slave ship and have no connection with Africa whatsoever other than the oral traditions that were brought down who know how to work for somebody else, give everything that they make to somebody else, and never want for anything more. I never, ever, 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 ever have to control those people because their parents did it for me. Now, Come on back. You produce this excess. What happens to the excess? Goes to the master. What does the master do with it? 
Let that sink in. It's all right. I bring some biscuits next time. You can sop this up. I know. <laughs> so now that master has given it to his or her kids, what do they do? They do the same thing. But guess what? They didn't start at zero like the first one. They got all of what that guy had plus what they make. And what are they going to do to their kids? So now you got one, two, three generations passing on stuff. And guess where those slaves are. They're alive. They're alive. They are alive. I say it when I'm being kind of a jerk sometimes to some of my folks who want to argue with me on it. When the Civil Rights Act passed, black people got rights. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I got the right to chase you down from 350 years of you running. Well, my, my family came from Ireland. My family came from Italy. OK, cool. You never had legislated segregation. Generation X is the very first generation in the history of the United States to not have in place a law that says black people are excluded from the economy. Yep. How many of you are part of Generation X? You are the first. Ask your parents. They were bust. Ask their parents, they were segregated. Ask their parents, they were part of Jim Crow, and ask their parents, they were slaves. Your kids are the first generation to come up and not have a direct connection to somebody who lived in that, under that regime. Holy smokes. So you wonder why your kids look at the world differently than you do. They don't have the same chains. You sing that song about breaking every chain, breaking every chain. You just separated it generationally. When you took your butt down to that school, worked hard, got that degree, your family tree changed. Now, look at your money. Where's your money? Your kids are now learning that they can produce. Here's something scary. I'm going to scare you real, real big time right here. The word produce used in books has actually decreased since the 1800s. Why? Because we work for other people. We don't work for ourselves. We don't own our own to produce our own. Think about that. We can see in this case study, it's not an emotional thing. It's an economic thing. Next slide, please, Mr. Caleb. This came out in February. I think I posted it in the uh, Facebook group. It says that it's not education. It's not incarceration. It's not single parenting. It's not health care. It is the presence of inheritance that explains almost the entirety of the wealth gap between blacks and whites. This does not mean that we need to go out and get mad at all white people and say, give me your money. It means we need to go out. Thank you, ma'am. It means we need to go out, look ourselves in the mirror before we go out and say, go get this money. Go make this money. We all talk about side hustles. We all know people in the hood. Y'all said, I think in the second session that you got a candy lady. Thank you, sir. I forgot to bring my, that you had a candy lady where you were from. Yes. I sold candy in school. In the fourth grade, I sold so much candy that Mrs. Cooksey came out when she found out and she said, boy, I'll suspend you if I catch you selling candy again. I used to come home with my wow. People used to ask me for money in the house. I stayed with my grandparents, my mama and them, my uncles. They come out. Hey, man, you got 10? 
I'm in the fourth grade. Dude, y'all ever make like, they call it origami when you get fancy. Y'all ever make like little Chinese stars, little paper airplanes? I sold them out my locker. Every day I'm hustling. I put the G because I'm educated. Put the G because I'm educated. But somewhere after that master's degree, somewhere after that master's degree, I lost it. I'm not gonna lie to you, I lost it. I lost that drive, I lost that hustle. And I appreciate y'all because doing this kind of got it back. I told y'all, I told you, and I told you. Y'all gonna mess around and turn me back to the old me. Y'all gonna mess around and y'all almost, I'm almost there. Because I'm gonna tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, when you own, you can produce. When you produce, you have the opportunity to improve. When you have the opportunity to improve, you have the opportunity to produce more. When you have the opportunity to produce more, you have the opportunity to transact in that more, making more for yourselves and make it geometric instead of just additive. All right? Anybody got questions so far? It's okay. I'm, I'm happy. I have an answer. All right. So, this thing is quite interesting to me. And I told you when I started this little case study thing, there's a difference between Sarah and a star. Let me ask you, how many of you plan on making your history that is star, that temporary, and making your future more permanent? You're college educated. That means your kids are more likely to be college educated. You grow up in a house that's responsible with money. That means your children are more likely to be responsible with money. It's time to change it. So I told you I was going to ask you something at the end. You got to think about this. We say that if we reproduce after our own, what does that mean? What does that mean? What does it mean? It's not hard. It's simple. Reproduce after all. Here, here, here. Why y'all think about it and y'all having these deep moments? I know some of y'all country, so maybe this will make more sense. <laughs> if you have a mama donkey and a daddy horse, what animal is produced? That's not true. It's called a hemi. Here's why. I'll tell you why in a second. If you have a mama horse and a daddy donkey, what is produced? A mule. It's called a mule. Here's why. Horses' legs, rear legs, walk straight. They go straight. Donkeys cross. The progeny of these two animals gets their rear legs from the mama. So if the mama is a donkey, the legs cross. Try riding something that's doing this as it walks. So now when you think about what Jesus rode in on, oh, tells you he was even putting himself even lower, right? Because he wasn't even riding something that you're supposed to be on. When you make a, a mama horse, daddy donkey, the rear legs are straight. So you get an animal that has the sturdiness of the donkey and the, the agility and strength of the horse. You can use that. You can ride it. You can use it to produce more. That's crazy, right? Okay. Now, back to the original question. You produce after your own kind, what happens? Why don't we see more mules? Why do we still see people making hennies? Uh-oh. You know why? Those animals are sterile. They're sterile. They can't reproduce themselves. They can't. 
And what we've done is turned ourselves into mules and not able to reproduce ourselves because we're spending everything that we get instead of saving to pass it on to the next generation. We are not investing in ownership. We are not creating things. Next one, please, sir. If we start to invest, we start to create, then we start to reproduce after our own kind. So right now, make a commitment. Not just to you and feeling good and getting the new Gucci boots. Yes, I know, yes, I know, I know you are hot in the streets. I know everybody has, in fact, heard of you. Okay? I do understand that you did get a bag and you fixed your teeth. But please don't let that be all you are about. Please, please, please don't let that be all you are about. Don't let that be all you are about. What are you going to reproduce? This requires you to have a longer view than what is on E. This requires you to take a longer approach than what we can see. In August of 2016, we did the inheritance imperative. We were talking about this issue six months before they talked about it. You had a six month head start. Who did something about it? Had a six month head start. If you didn't start, that's okay. It's okay. It's okay. You can start now. If you want a very, very, very free and simple, comprehensive way to talk about money, this is Ty and Talit. Ty and Talit McNeely. They have a YouTube channel called His and Her Money. Every Sunday, they post a new video from their living room. They've got over 300 videos out there that talk about money, that feature success stories. I got to thinking one day, they show these people, you know, so-and-so paid off $50,000 in this amount of time. I got to thinking, as a body of believers, we don't pay off a half a million dollars in two years. What if they did something on us? Remember that thing I told you about how people who do well lose perspective that on how well they are doing because they think everybody else is doing it? Yeah. If we went out and said, hey, we got a small church in Northwest Arkansas, we paid off half a million dollars of our collective congregational debt in two years. I guarantee you, people would want to hear our story. So then we would be able to share our story and other people would be able to follow. And they would be able to do the same. And we would be reproducing after our own kind. Ladies and gentlemen, slavery was bad. Absolutely no question. But the biggest ill ever perpetrated on black Americans was excluding us from ownership. We have 400 years of case study to prove it. We can see it, we know it, and we don't even have to have an emotional argument about it, about how wrong it was and go charging up people. I can lay it out to you economically. I will ask you again, see who has a good memory. How long did the Montgomery bus boycott last? Over a year. Over a year. I know you watch the movies and they like, oh, nobody sat on the bus. And it's like two weeks later and then they say, okay, y'all come in. Nope. <laughs> It was over a year that thing lasted. It was over a year because 
Nobody wanted to cave in because they knew if they did, ah, change everybody. But the fact of the matter was, when you affect people's economies, they listen. They listen. I don't care who you are, who you are. You don't believe me? The United States gave this guy, you may have heard him, his name's Saddam. They gave him weapons to fight. What happened a few years after we gave him the weapons? We had to fight him. Why did we give him the weapons in the beginning? Because he was on our side. He was doing what we needed him to do. When he decided he didn't want to do what we wanted him to do, that's when we had to go fight him. Ladies and gentlemen, this ain't tricky. We are not playing checkers. We ain't even playing cribbage. We ain't flipping sticks. We just count one, two, three. Okay? This ain't complicated. This ain't hard. We have to understand what is in our interests and take a longer-term view with more practical, shorter-term approaches. I absolutely love this session of the year because I'm telling you, if you start right now preparing your roots, remember that session on up, down, all around? You start right now preparing those roots, next year's harvest is taking care of itself because you will be able to sprout thicker. You'll be able to sprout greener. When that bonus comes in in the spring, woo! You ain't throwing it up in the air. Throwing it up in the air. Right? Ain't no mercy. You got that purple Lamborghini lurking, right? You ain't got that, right? No, no, no. You can do something appropriate. I'm not suggesting that you don't have fun because as I've told y'all plenty of times, there's going to come a day when I have a very large trick-off fund and all I'm going to do is mess up. I'm, if I'm a, hey, Will Smith said something that I, that I laughed about. He said during his DJ Jazzy Jeff and Will Smith days early on that one day they actually got on an airplane to fly to Atlanta to eat. They would get on airplanes to fly places just to buy shoes. I ain't saying you got to do that all the time. I just want to know what it's like to do it. <laughs> yeah, hey, y'all. You're like, ooh. Man, <laughs> I say it all the time, but that's okay. Now, but understand, just because I want to know what it's like to do it, that means I need to do it now. Fake it till you make it. No, stay in your lane. Stay faking it till you make it to get you hurt. Graham, you play football, did you? A little bit. You kind of, you kind of did all right with it, right? If somebody. <laughs> <laughs> All right. She said, she said he has. She, she said he has thin ankles. Nobody heard. I told y'all, I only got so many laughs in this. I got. All right, Graham. So tell me this. If you if you did your job on a play, you could move people, right? You could kind of you you kind of move people, right? You came up on somebody and you looked in that man's eyes and you knew he wasn't serious about it, what you gonna do? Exactly. Don't, you don't get crushed. I look at people all the time. I can look you in your eye and I can be like, yeah, you ain't got it. Let me tell you something. I used to interview people when I was at Wally and I've done it at other places. In less than five minutes, I already knew. I didn't have to talk to you. My, in fact, my shortest interview, this is no joke, no lie, no, I asked this, this is no joke. I used to do interviews with one question. I would ask you one question, you take as much time as you wanted to answer. If it took you a half hour, cool. If it took you 10 minutes, cool. But that was my only question. I asked this dude one question. Pow, hit him with it. He said, yes. I said, 
it was always something different. It was a business case. So in his case, it was, uh, should Walmart enter the gaming industry? His answer was yes. Now, some of you are like, well, what's, what's, what's wrong with that? It's okay. When you have an MBA and you've gone through rigorous training about how to build a business case around a question like that, you should be able to say more than yes. Just like at this point, you should be able to say more than 20% challenge, 10% tithe, 10% offer, save me. Is that right? <laughs> you should know. You should have the discernment at this point to be able to say, oh, that's the same thing that that is. Let me tell you something. There's no joke, no lie, no exaggeration. If you go get a Charles J. Givens book from the 80s called Wealth Without Risk, and you sit it next to a Dave Ramsey book, pick one. The principles are the same. Fundamental principles are universal. Almost every financial system that you see out there will have something that basically amounts to a 50-30-20. 50% spending, 30% of discretionary stuff, 20% of savings. Almost everyone, I personally learned how to do this using a 50-20-10-10-10. I still have the peanut butter jar sitting on top of my refrigerator right now. My grandmother made for me when I was a little baby. Right? They are all the same. All of them. You put Susie up there. I know they say something different. Yeah, we're debt free, that's cool, that's great, I like it. Dave Ramsey said something that I will never, ever, ever, ever forget in life because he gave me the key to getting rich the way he did. He said, on air, somebody called and said, hey Dave, how did you get, become a multimillionaire? Dave Ramsey said, well, I became a millionaire by doing all the stuff I'm telling you to do. I became a multimillionaire by selling you books. You do all the stuff. Here's the crazy thing, I listen to Dave all the time. If you wanna know his baby steps, Listen to his show twice, his radio show twice. You will know every one of those baby steps. Or you can go pay $24.95 at your local Barnes & Noble and buy the book. Which one does Dave want you to do? Which one is in your interest? God, talk it, y'all. Smart A plus today. <laughs> I'm not suggesting to you that you don't have to seek out additional learnings or seek out professional help while it's there. But understand, Thomas Stanley, uh, millionaire next door. He talks about what rich people do with their wealth. They hire an accountant and they hire a lawyer. The accountant, why do we like accountants? Because that's how we keep score. Remember, assets equal ah, liabilities plus equity. That's all right. That's all right. I thought y'all would get it. That's all right. Accountant, accounting is how we keep scoring the game, and you cannot win the game if you don't know how to keep score. I don't care what game it is, you got to keep score. Lawyers, why do they hire lawyers? They want to stay out of jail. They want to stay free. They want to stay free to be able to use that stuff. Not only that, guess what else? The lawyers can tell you how to structure things. I get it. People get mad about taxes and about this guy named Mitt Romney, about, oh, he only paid a little bit of tax. You know why? Because he has a lawyer who said, hey, guys, if you do it this way instead of that way, you don't have to pay a lot of taxes. Y'all get mad at me. Hold on, hold on. I'm standing over here because I want to be able to see everybody. How many of you on April 15th are going to be like, man, y'all going to take this extra money. Y'all keep that refund. I don't want that. Y'all take care of the debt with it. Raise your hand. Jump up. Be proud. You're not. So why in the world do you think rich people are going to do that? If you know what the rules are, you can play with the rules. 
<laughs> you don't have to do anything tricky. It ain't illegal. You, hey, look, if you tell me I can drive your car anytime I want, and I come drive your car anytime I want, why would you get mad at me for driving your car anytime I want? You set the rules. That's why you need a lawyer, you need an accountant. That's what you need. Next slide, please, sir. All right. Budget, save, invest, repeat. Budget, save, invest, repeat. <laughs> Work on your skills. When was the last time you looked at your resume? Be proud of what you did. Write it down. Don't be afraid. Well, it wasn't really that big of a deal. Yes! 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 We collectively manage billions of dollars of other people's money. There are Walton progeny that will never have to work because some of us work our butts off. You know what? I used to, used to make me crazy when I was at Wally. I used to hear people say this all the time. They'd be like, oh, no. We intentionally keep our salaries low so we can pass the savings on to our customers. No. No, keep it down. No, keep it down. We, no, we keep, no, we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not. No. They used to say it all the time. You want me to tell you what the Waltons did every single year from 1985 until today? They raised the dividend every year. Every year they got a raise while their people working in that place were like, no, 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 we don't want more. Every year, go back and look it up. The dividend for Walmart has increased every year. They get $3.8 billion in four checks spaced out 91 days every year. And guess what's going to happen next year? It's going to be more. When I started Walmart, I'm going to tell you something. This guy named Doug, you may have heard of him. He made an announcement that Walmart's going to buy back $20 billion worth of shares. Let me tell you something. When I started, there were 4.2 billion shares of Walmart outstanding. Today, there are 2.99. Share repurchase has reduced that number of stock shares outstanding. You know what the Waltons held back then? 1.6 billion shares. You know what they hold today? 1.5995 billion shares. They didn't sell theirs. Everybody else did. Why? Because they are taking that money. They ain't giving it back. They letting you do it. They ain't alone, though. The people at Mars, people at Coca-Cola. Warren Buffett, he bought Coca-Cola back in early 90s, I think it was. He ain't sold it. Drink Coke. Coke and a smile. Think about it. Your life changed when you start getting paid to do stuff other people pay to do. I made an argument one time with this dude. It was a long time ago. We were on the basketball court. He was talking about how he was a big time guy. The dude kind of got him up real good. Boom, boom, boom. He was like, man, I don't need this. I don't need this. I'd be down there. I said, no, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. You got to keep in mind. You pay to play basketball here. You don't get paid to play basketball. If you're paying to do something other people get paid for, remember that. There's two sides of that transaction. There's two sides. I ain't saying don't enjoy it. There are things I like. Oops. But let's keep it in perspective. Let's get on this ownership thing. Last one there, we got to be on this ownership. We got to. It's about ownership. And I'm not talking about, yes, I appreciate you going out and starting your own small right. But we need a few more people. Here. All right, social justice warriors, I might step on your toes here a little bit. We do not need to stay together. We don't. We do not need to stay together. I know y'all don't like it. I get it. Unity. What's the, uh, one of the principles of Kwanzaa and all that stuff. No. 
Graham, you played football, right? How many times did you get on the line and when the quarterback snapped the ball, did you run an out route? Why? That's not your job. You were able to win some football games because you stayed in your lane. You stayed in your job. Ladies and gentlemen, we need people who are going to do different things. Just like that football team needs somebody to block for the quarterback so that quarterback has a chance to throw it down the field, we need some social justice warriors who are going to be there fighting people off, keeping them out. So whoever is leading, Make that pass. But that means there needs to be somebody on the other end to receive that pass. That means you out there on the island potentially facing double coverage, fighting somebody. Oh, we saw Jimmy and, 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 and Rich showing you one of the drills they went through. Somebody is having to get hit in the chest and push and fight and pull his way through to get open so you can win. I'm not saying don't be, un or don't be organized, but you don't have to stay together to be organized. There's no military in the world that has everybody doing the same thing. Right. You know why? Because sometimes a group of six people can get into a place that a whole platoon can't. Sometimes two helicopters can fly in and take out a target that a whole armada can't. You don't need the whole Air Force to go over and drop off aid in Rwanda. A couple of airplanes will do. But you do need to be coordinated and organized. The reason the Montgomery bus boycott worked was because, hey, you are going to be the dispatcher. You're going to tell people where they need to be to go pick up people. You are going to be the car driver. Your job is to drive cars. You are going to be the lawyer. Your job is to make sure that anything that happens to them is good. You take care of it. You're going to be the money person. Your job is to go bail them out when the police pull them over for operating the taxi. Everybody had his or her own job. If all of us start selling Mary Kay, guess who gonna buy it? Nobody! That doesn't mean somebody shouldn't sell it. It's everybody shouldn't. Right? What skills do we have? We have a doctor that is just a couple years away from going to college. Do we know that? Holy smokes. Remember that whole floor and ceiling thing? Some of us need to start thinking beyond that ceiling. Because some of our kids are going to go a lot further than we ever will. We need people to be around Kim to help her learn and be ready to support her little girl as she goes off to be a neurologist. That's what she wants to do. Wait, that's what she wants to do. I mean, we need that. You don't have to know how to be a neurologist. But you need to be able to support. Hey. Has anybody offered, maybe, this is future think, has anybody offered to buy books for her so she can study? This future think, this future think. Not this week, four or five years from now. She's gonna have to take the MCAT. Has anybody started thinking about, what if we start saving now to be a blessing to Kim so when that little girl's ready to take that MCAT, boom, she got a prep course paid. That is sowing and reaping. Just because you sow doesn't mean you have to have negative results. Positive results come from it, too. If it is a principle, it's going to be universal. That means it's got to work positive and negative. What if we start talking about, I mean, Caleb, you, Caleb, you still want to be a foreign service officer? What do you want to do? You want to be a professor? Well, you're going to have to go somewhere. 
What if we sponsor a study abroad program for him when he's working on his PhD? We can do that. Wait, 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 no, 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 no. Because some of y'all are about my age. So y'all remember this song about this funny looking fella. And it was called, I Can Do That. And you sang it, don't lie, you did. He said, if I spill drink on my clothes, I can do that. It don't matter because I'll buy me some more. I'm going to spend about 50 at the mall. Right? So guess what? Ooh, ooh, guess what? Guess what? That just means they from down where I'm from, though. But guess what? That same principle works on the other side. You mean if I want to invest and buy the fill in the blank? Say something. Say something. Buy what? Buy Amazon stock. If I want to invest and buy Amazon stock, if I want to do something else. Pay your house off. If I wanna, I can. If I wanna, I can do that. I mean, I, I can't make you do it. All right, next slide, sir. Here's your homework. It looks familiar. Pull your last credit report. Let's look at a building, a spending plan for 2018. And the last one is actually initiate a fraud alert after the Equifax data breach. Uh, they offered up some stuff. And one of the options that people didn't talk about a lot is putting a fraud alert, not a freeze, an alert onto your uh, credit. You can call the credit uh, bureaus, put a 90-day fraud alert. They will offer as an option you can get a free credit report and see what's on there to make sure nothing's crazy. Anything that happens, you have the option of having them call you if they need approval. That way you're not frozen out, you can still do things, and you have flexibility to make sure nothing's crazy happening. All right, last thing, and I'm done. So I got to thinking, because, well, that's what I do. There's this uh, exercise program, there's a couple of them, called P90X, y'all heard of it? it? It costs a couple hundred bucks. You pay to have somebody yell at you and do, come on, at the end. Yeah. I just want to point out, if your kids do that, you'd be like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I, just, I just want to point that out. So, <laughs> so P90X has this interesting thing. They do these infomercials. They're like 30 minutes long, right? And they're like, call me now. Blah, 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 blah. And if you call right now, you get a special diet and we'll throw in a, a group of funny boots and we'll throw in a little poster and we're throwing some stickers call now right and they show that that commercial like two or three times during the whole session all right you got 30 minutes and you got like 30 seconds of these things okay and they mention the diet like three times and it's supposed to turbocharge your results or whatever they say you know what research shows anywhere between 40 and 60 percent of the results people achieve from those programs come directly from the diet. But if they came out and said, we're selling you a diet plan, would you buy it? No. Nope. Nope. How many of you remember this little thing called a food triangle? You learned it in like, what, the third grade, right? Guess what every quality diet program is built off of? <laughs> and you spending $300 on some DVDs that you're not going to use to get a food triangle that you got in third grade. 
half of the results are coming from rudimentary choices. And I don't mean rudimentary as in simplistic, I mean rudimentary as in everyday choices. I actually did this thing where I was kind of playing with it, uh, over, uh, with weight loss over a while. And, and I figured out that depending on where you were, if you wanted to drop 10 pounds, it actually equated to roughly two bites of food per meal over time. Two bites. Put that fork down. Ah! In Europe, they tell people often not to buy or eat, any, eat a whole plate of American food because we put so much on the plate. On the, plate. the diet is that simple. Ladies and gentlemen, for most of the things we do in life, it comes down to the diet, not just the food, but the way we drink. Are you drinking adequate water? Are we, are we eating the right blend of food? You can change your body simply by changing the mix. The Atkins diet used your body against itself. Your body wants carbohydrates, fuel. Protein get broken down into fuel and are used to build living tissue. Fats are used to protect, up, down, all around. Same thing, same exact principle, up, down, all around. Carbohydrates up, proteins down, and then the fats are used all around. Right. If you change the blend of those, you can change your body. You learned that in third grade. But let somebody come out with something called the Beach Bunny All-Star Diet. People, I, what, what was the one thing the lady did, the pony workout? Did y'all see that? She was in the spandex years ago. This, it was Prancing Pony or something workout. This lady was on YouTube trying to sell videos, and this is what she did in tights. You can do the Prancing Pony. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. I think it was called the Prancing Pony workout or something. All you're doing is moving. <laughs> moving. Move. That's it. <laughs> but that's it. Like, think about that stuff, y'all. Most of the things that create these big changes in our lives aren't, you know, getting bitten by a spider, a radioactive spider, in a lab. Right? Right? It doesn't come down to the fact that our parents were from Krypton. Right? It comes down to stuff like, you know what? I ain't gonna eat that pizza today. Come down, you know what? I ain't gonna buy this candy. I'm gonna throw this little extra change in this jar. Comes down to, you know what? I ain't gonna beat my kids to death this time. <laughs> Next slide, sir. That's it. Now let's stand up and pray. <laughs> and then it'll be time to give, right? Any special prayer requests today? Oh, anybody? Everybody should have one. Yes. You know what? No, that's not enough. That's not enough for when you go back and buy a house over there. Ooh, that's not enough. What else? What else? We lost that what else. What else? What else? What else? Ah, that's not good. That's not good. Let's go with something bigger than more debt, we're going to go for more income, too. We're going to go both of them. Remember both of them? We bring that back, too. I get a T-shirt. Where's Kathleen? Can I get a shirt that says both of them? I will absolutely wear it. Thank you, ma'am. We'll, we'll work on a design. We sure can. What else? What was that? More business ventures. With your business? No. We're going to pray that 
This year, your business rains Christmas on you. Wait, wait. We're going to pray your business takes you out of your job. How about that? I, this Christmas, Kenosha's business is going to take her out of her job. What else? What else? Y'all don't need me to do this. Y'all do it to each other. Y'all can talk to each other. You finish the album? We praying for platinum! <laughs> Come on, bounce with me. <laughs> All right, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the awesomeness that's going to come out of today and that's going to change the way we see the, vo the world tomorrow. Thank you for the people that we will reach out and turn and bless. Thank you for the wealth that will be created. Thank you for the freedom that will be created. Thank you for the insight, the information, the intelligence, the changes in the world that will be created from this group of people. We pray for different ventures. We pray for albums. We pray for cookie sales that turn into whole bakeries that change the nation. We heard of Mrs. Fields. I want to hear of Mrs. Grigsby. We want to pray for people traveling, that the places they travel to become places they own property in, that other people want to travel to where they are. We pray for fitness programs. We pray for different business ventures. We want to pray for our caterers, our foodstuffs, that not only are they doing well, but they become globally recognized. We're going to reach down. We're going to reach down. You know what? He didn't say a word, but I'm going to pray for Coach Gunn in this MP3 program. We're going to change manhood and what it means in this country. We're going to change it. We're going to change it. Pray for all those folks who didn't even say it. We got a, one of the top car restorers right here. We're going to pray for his business. He's going to have his own show. We're going to pray for we're going to pray for Amazon stock doing well for those who own it. We're going to pray for not just jobs, but ownerships. We're going to be the ones creating the jobs, Lord God. We pray that you come alongside of us and tell us where we need to be. We pray that you put those challenges in our path that will develop the skills you want us to have and remove those challenges that will tear those skills down that you don't. Lord God, I ask that you watch over this body as we go to our respective destinations. We have families that we come from, and we have families that we are going to sow into yeah. that will change this world. Yeah. And in all things that we do, yeah. all things.